So yeah, I've been introduced. My name is Luke and uh, married to Zandi. Pia just mentioned iron sharpening iron. I want to actually speak about that tonight. Um, iron sharpening iron, it's a verse from scripture which talks about how people, God puts people in our lives to shape us into the image of Christ. It's nice to talk about God transforming me into his likeness. It's got a very spiritual uh, sound to it. Eh? God transforming me into his likeness. It's almost like the supernatural event that happens. When you talk about iron sharpening iron and people rubbing each other up the wrong way, that doesn't sound very spiritual at all, you know? It sounds like that sounds upon the devil, actually, you know? I don't need iron sharpening iron and people rubbing me up the wrong way. But oftentimes, God puts people, not oftentimes, every single time. It's why he puts us in church, is for people to shape people. Um, and it doesn't always feel like it's God. And it's, it won't always feel like it's God. But oftentimes, God is working in us to change us into his likeness. And by the end of tonight, I hope that you can see, even from Scripture, that without people in your life, you might actually lose your way completely. That is how essential the people that God has put in your life are to you walking out your, your calling into the fullness of God, uh, of who God's called you to. I was um, sitting with uh, a guy recently uh, over lunch, and I was just asking him about his experience. He's very new in the church. I was just asking him about his experience of being in the church. And he said, you know, Luke, <clears throat> initially I really loved being in the church. I loved the worship. People are very friendly. There's a lot of love. And then he said, but then I, st I started to feel uncomfortable. And I said, well, really, well, was it something I said? Or, <laughs> you know, what, what started to make you feel uncomfortable? He said, I started to realize that the, this church, actually the people want to get in my life. They want to get in my space. And they want, they want to challenge me into more. And that made me very uncomfortable. And very many people feel that, but they don't all, they're not all honest enough to actually say that. You know? It was very refreshing to, for him to just tell me how it was. He said, he said, to be honest, I almost left. <laughs> I was like, whoa, I didn't realize how close we were to losing you. He said, but I realized that it was a God thing. God was challenging me that the people wanting to get into my life and actually talk about how you do, how you really doing, that that was actually God intervening and wanting to shape me into his image. And I realized in running away from this church, I'd actually be running away from what Jesus was wanting to do in my heart. And so I decided to stay. And I was like, well done, but well done. I didn't realize you're going through that struggle, but well done. And so I want to talk about um, accountability tonight, but I want to almost speak about the why, a lot about the why, and wh why, wh why is it important. So I want to ask Kev, Kevin, uh, apparently he's famous, I didn't realize how, <laughs> but I, I, I was just sitting uh, with Kev the other day um, for, uh, for breakfast, and he was telling me some stories about things that have, have happened over the last little while, and people in his life that have I'll let him tell the story, but I think it'll give an insight into the why of accountability. So, are you ready, Kev? <laughs> hey, guys. Um, yeah, so I'm Kevin. <laughs> um, yeah, so I just wanted to share a sh short testimony. Um, I was just asking God, like, what, 
what do I share? Like, what do you really want me to say? And I really was starting to say, like, say everything. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, let me sleep on it. Maybe it's going to give me, like, something deeper than this. I'm just going to share everything. So uh, here it goes. Um, yeah, so earlier this year, I found myself in um, a relationship um, with a female. And, um, <laughs> yeah, specifically a female. <laughs> um, and um, it was... It was interesting, it was kind of like one of those situations like, oh, I did not see this coming, so I don't know what to do, and like slowly but surely, like, it led into more, and boundaries were being touched and being crossed, and um, I was like speaking to leaders, speaking to family members, and um, talked to Luke as well at some point, and um, they would like give this like advice and give something to like what to do in like where we were at at that moment, and Funny enough, I just heard them and I was like, I don't see this in scripture. I, <laughs> I was like, no, this is your opinion. You, you're telling me stuff that you think is what I should be doing in this situation. It's very gray area. I'm just going to do my thing. Um, but looking back now, I'm like realizing of how much actually like this, that spirit of like rebellion was actually like festering within me and not being aware actually of how much they were speaking to me and like actually trying to help me and all I heard was that's your opinion I do not see this in scripture I'm gonna try it out for myself firstly and prove you wrong basically <laughs> um, and um, and yeah so I think it was just like quite a scary place to be in when I when I look back because I, I remember at some point after feeling like that and actually going into like an immoral relationship at the end of the day, it, it completely turned to something that I would never have thought I would ever find myself into. And justifying it completely to myself and not being aware that I was in such a bad place. And to me, that I was fine. I was really like, I really believed it to myself that like, I'm fine, I'm gonna get myself out of this, like I can work through this. What they said is still their opinion. I can still do this in my own strength. Um, and at some point, I remember being like, I can't, I actually can't get out. And I was at church in our previous venue, and I was in such a bad place, I would, like just hanged out at the balcony and realized I, I, I can't. <laughs> um, I can't stay here. Um, yeah, actually it was like, I can't stay here. I, I can't be one foot in and one foot out. I, I knew that people are going to want to be in my life and they, they're going to want to say these things to me and um, they, their mind did not change on <laughs> what I thought was their opinion. <laughs> and I was like, where am I going to go? Like, I just know God too well that I kind of came to this point of, I actually was so close to being like, I'm going to just walk away, and I don't know what I'm going to do, and I justified everything in my head, and lucky, like, God was so faithful to pursue me in that time, and, um, yeah, at one point, Luke preached a sermon on the fear of God, and the fear of God just touched me in that moment, um, and I broke that relationship off without, like, trying to justify it in any way, and just was like, I, I can't, I'd rather lose like scripture says, if your eye causing you to sin, rather cut it out than to remain in there. Um, 
and yeah, and I say the story just because um, one thing that I just wanted to mention was what I learned in that moment was just a level of being tested, being tested in in my character, being tested in just the veil that was over my eyes that I could not see. I was like, that's your opinion. I could not see that there was actually like God's voice speaking in that moment, that it wasn't just their opinion. It was they actually were looking for the best in me. Uh, um, and yeah, and I just could not see that. And I think for me, the biggest lesson that I'd really found in that time was how I would deal with submission in that moment. And um, I did not do well, <laughs> that's for sure. Um, but looking back and looking in hindsight and just realizing how like that submission is in such a level that like as much as I feel like I totally disagree with what they're being saying to me in that moment, then I would choose to submit to that nonetheless, that God would be Lord over my life. And when he says he's Lord over my life, he's Lord over my life with the people that he has entrusted me with, that my com leaders, my elders, that whatever they say is like, I take that as the highest authority and not see it as, it's just the opinion. Um, and yeah, and I think just um, being in such disagreement, I, I think I just like looking back and realizing that what really, for me, probably going forward, that I, from that lesson and knowing, like, okay, going forward, I, I know this was just a test, and yes, I've come out of it, but there's more to it, and, like, the devil's still going to be, like, prowling, um, and I think one thing I really just wanted to say was, to basically for me, and maybe for everybody else, which was something I just prayed for about what to say, was my heart posture towards the correction that I would be receiving, and actually being like, hey, what they're saying is something I don't agree with and whatever it is that's making me like have pushback, but actually I'm gonna surrender that and surrender that position of like trying to fight this, but actually like I'm here, this is where I found myself with the Lord and I'm going to surrender to myself and what I would want. And instead of choosing myself and choosing what I think is the best thing for me, I'll choose what my family around me has said for me. Um, and lastly, um, I think one thing that I really, really found was I could have, like, I just learned, like, I, I really could have kind of done it on my own. You can really do, like, Christian life kind of, like, on your own and be like, I'm Christian. Like, I, I was still in church and everything. Who would have told, who would have known, like, the, the place that I was in? But to just, rem to just realize that actually I am, like, for conference was saying we are better together for me it's i am better together with everybody else um yeah that's me it's cool to just thanks for your bravery and your courage to share it's not easy to to be that honest eh? and um just while he was sharing with me the other day he, he, he was very honest he said like when i got saved I didn't think I could ever fall away from Christ. I thought it could happen to other people, but he got saved out of a cult. And he's like, I, I'll never get deceived again, ever. Because I've been deceived once, it's never going to happen again. And, he's, and he realized, I, I almost lost my, my faith. I, I almost completely shipwrecked my faith. And I didn't think it could happen to me. And the reality is, there's gonna, there will come a moment for almost, not almost, I keep saying almost, for every single person here, including myself, there will come a moment in your life 
when you will need people around you to show you something in your life that you don't see and you won't see it. And the way he was telling the story, it sounded like a gray area. No, it was a complete sin area. It, it, it was complete sin, like by every definition of what the scripture says, you know. But yet for him, it was like that veil that he was saying over his eyes. Satan had, had put a veil over his eyes and he, and he needed people around him to say, no, Kevin, you're going re- to wreck your life. You're going to ruin your life. And now that's obviously a very extreme example, but the reality is, I think for every one of us, if you're sitting here this evening, it's because you have a desire to follow Christ. Amen? That's why we're here. I mean, we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for that. Christ has taken a hold of us, and we've chosen to follow him, and we've, we've committed to this journey of transforming into the likeness of Christ. But the reality of it is, there will be blind spots that you'll have in your life. They may, and it might not be extreme, but you, you will almost always think you're doing better in certain areas than you really are. It's just the nature of humans. I, I will do the same thing, you know. And we're going to need people around us to say, actually, you know, I know you think you're doing great at the way you're raising your kids. <laughs> and that, that, um, that's maybe a very sensitive topic. I, I have kids. Um, it's a very sensitive one when someone says, you know, like, you're doing great, but there's this, this one thing that I don't think honors Jesus, you know. Um, but if we're going to transform into the likeness of Christ, that is actually what it's going to take from us, is to have that humility. But you know what? I know I'm a work in progress, and I know I'm going to need people around me to help me to transform into the image of Christ. I want to read um, a scripture in 2 Peter 3, um, 12 to 14. Um, because everything that we do in this walk is in the light of eternity. And it's beautiful that here Peter is talking about holiness in the light of eternity. Holiness is not an end in itself. It's something we pursue because of our vision of Christ and of our future with Christ. And so this is a beautiful passage talking about this. Peter is talking about waiting for, as we wait for and hasten the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved, and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn. But according to his promise, we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, can you see why he's going to switch now to holiness, but he's saying, in the light of what? What is the therefore, therefore? <laughs> it's because of what we are looking forward to, the promise of eternity with Christ. Therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these, be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish and at peace. Without spot or blemish or at peace. I can tell you that right now, there are, I do have spots and blemishes in my character. I do have. But my, my goal, my, my heart's desire is that when Jesus comes for me, there would have been a washing and a cleansing and a renewal inside of me so that my life will be beautiful to him and for him. I want to read another, another scripture in 2 Timothy 4 verse 8. Every single apostle had this longing for that day. Not just a theological awareness that one day Jesus is going to return, but like a deep, heartfelt longing for and a desire for that day. 
I definitely have that desire. More on days that are horrible than days that are good. <laughs> Jesus, you can come today. It's fine. I, I, it, that would be really perfect right now, actually. After the day I've had, just come, Lord, please. <laughs> but it's more than that. It's more than that. Henceforth there is laid up for me, this is Paul speaking, the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also, listen to this, to all who have loved his appearing. In another translation, it says, all who have longed for. You know, Jesus is coming back for those who have longed for his coming. Isn't that beautiful? There's a longing in the heart of God for us to be with us. Jesus said, I'm going to come back and I'm going to take you to be where I am. But our hearts have the same desire. We have a longing in our hearts to be with him. And it's because of this longing that we can say, therefore, therefore, because of the longing we have to be with Christ, I have this desire to be pure and spotless and waiting for him and beautiful for him when he when he returns. And so I want to say, make holiness your own responsibility. It's something, you know, yes, I have leaders in the faith that, that, that are egging me on and encouraging me and enthusing me and speaking into my life and, wa- and want me to grow. But I want it more than they do. Amen? I want it. I, I pursue holiness. Why? Because I love Jesus, and, I, and I'm waiting for him. I'm longing for him. I, the scriptures speak about a bride that is preparing herself for Christ. And the analogy is, is a good one, because if you think of women when they're preparing for their wedding day, um, do we have any women that fall into that category here? Oh, we've got Katya, yes, yeah, yeah. Anyone else that's married here? Any married woman? In the, okay, cool. Okay, cool. So if you've seen a woman preparing themselves for their wedding day, it's not a legalistic thing. It's not like, you don't, you don't get other people look, saying, you know, hey, you need to really, you know, get yourself ready. It's like, they don't need any encouragement. It's like, in fact, I think you look fine. Actually, let's just take it easier. But like, we don't need to spend any more money, actually, on your dress, you know. And I think there should be something in us as well. That we don't need, I don't need my pastor or my community leader encouraging me to holiness. No, no, I, I'm looking forward to Christ. Thank you very much. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm preparing myself for that day. He is holy. And when I see him, I want to be holy. Jesus makes holiness beautiful. He makes it desirable. Isn't it true? Whenever you see him, I find in worship, when I, I'll be reading my Bible and it all sounds so theologically correct, and then I'll be worshiping, and then I'm just suddenly like all the words on the pages. It's like, Jesus, you are so holy. You are so beautiful. I'm wrecked. I want to be like you, Jesus. Isn't, isn't, that how, isn't that the response of Christianity? And I'm going to jo- joke a bit about this preparing myself now. One of the things that I did, and I know we're talking about brides preparing themselves for their wedding days, but, 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 but men do it too. I did, if I'm honest. I joined Crewside. <laughs> Crewside is like uh, Josh Jen's CrossFit. Uh, there's a Josh Jen uh, CrossFit, and uh, he's, he's a guy, his name is Clint Wing, and, but we just call him Coach. Um, 
because that just feels right. When you, if you've ever done Crusade with him, you'll know he, it's appropriate to call him coach. He, he's just coach, you know. But that voice, that sound in your head when you, when you he's a he's trainer. And um, it's interesting, the whole idea of getting a personal trainer, isn't it? Because personal trainers get you to do stuff you really don't want to do. That's a fact, eh? That is a fact. You may have... But, but think about that. Why would you get somebody to get you to do... Why would you pay somebody to get you to do things you don't want to do? And more of those things than you wanted to do. Well, and two or three is fine, but it's not, uh, let's not go over the top here, you know? But isn't it fascinating that like fitness and health and strength is something we desire. I want to be healthy. I want to I be in, in shape. But I don't want the process of how you get there, right? And so you pay a personal trainer to, to, to speak truth into your life. <laughs> Often quite loud, too loudly, with a whistle generally and things like that. Uh, but you submit yourself willingly to that process because you, it's something you do desire. Um, and it's almost like church is a bit like that. You know, you join a church because these people love holiness and they're pursuing Christ. And I want holiness and I'm pursuing Christ. And then when they start speaking truth into your life, it's like, well, no, not that much holiness. Can we just, can we just uh, take, it, take it easy there, you know? Like, yeah, I love holiness, but, but that's, that's a bit too far. And there is that sense of like, as a church, the iron sharpening iron is like God's personal trainer to get us into shape for that day, but it's, it, it can never be something they desire for me, but I myself don't desire. It, it can never be that. Submission is something that I submit myself to. I acquire the, the, the services of a personal trainer because I, I want to be shaped. I want to be transformed. And so that's what I love what Kevin was saying about the heart of submission. Submission is not something that people can demand from you. Not in the, the gym world and not in the church world. Submission is something that I give. It's something that I give because I desire it, because it's beautiful. It's so beautiful. And, and, and it's something I know I won't walk in fully on my own. Does that make sense? And so the Bible says, submit to one another. Why? Out of reverence for Christ. But it's so important, the for reverence for Christ bit. It, because otherwise, otherwise accountability gets weird. If it's not done out of a, a reverence for Christ, out of a genuine, um, inward motivated love and reverence for Christ, accountability gets weird. In Proverbs chapter 9, verse 8, it says this Do not reprove a scoffer. In other words, don't rebuke a scoffer, or he will hate you. Reprove a wise man, and he will love you. another one? You just got eight. I'll, uh, I've just got eight. That's why you've only got it. That's it. The, the next verse is, instruct the wise and he will be wiser still. Teach the righteous and they will add to their learning. And so wisdom, as the scriptures speak, starts with humility. It's a desire that I have. I actually desire for people to speak into my life. Why? Because it's because I love Christ. Isn't that beautiful? It says, don't waste your rebukes on a mocker. 
don't waste your rebukes on a scoffer. It, it has to start with an inward desire that I have, that I love Jesus. I want to just um, give a word for a new believers among us tonight. If you've been saved maybe three years or less, and you, you, you're just starting your journey with Christ, um, it's, it's quite humbling coming into the kingdom um, because you, you might be an expert in your field. You might have acquired years and years of, of learning, and then you come to Christ and you feel like, I'm a child again. And that's quite a frustrating, especially if you're a go-getter sort of person, you know. Um, but I want to encourage you, if you're new to the Christ, don't, don't try and fake it. Just acknowledge I'm just new at this. I'm, I'm, I'm going to learn. I, I, I need to grow. I, I need to um, learn from the people around me. The, 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 I've noticed just in discipling people over, over the years that spiritual birth in the kingdom is very much like those documentaries on uh, National Geographic. I don't know if you watched those when you were young. I, I don't really know if the National Geographic is a thing anymore. Does anyone still watch National Geographic? Like just the highlight clips on YouTube maybe. But remember when the lion goes for the pack, generally he will attack, the, and it's just like he's trying to cause panic in the herd. But what he's actually looking for, he, know he, he, he knows he can't get a full uh, mature gazelle. They're just too fast, especially over a long distance. He's hoping for one of the little ones to lose its mom and amble off to the side because then, he, then, then they're vulnerable. And Satan does exactly the same thing in the kingdom. He, he goes for the for the herd, and he's hoping that one of the little ones will go their own way and try to go it alone a little bit, and then he chows them. And I don't say that to scare you. I say that because it's true. It's just, it's just a fact. If you've been around the kingdom long enough, you'll know that that is what Satan does. And so I want to encourage you, if you're a new believer, don't try and fake it. Just acknowledge that this is the season that I'm in. One day I'll be a father in the faith or a mother in the faith. But for now, I want to learn as much as I can and not pretend like I know too much. I, and I say this because it's a conscious decision that you have to make in your heart to humble yourself and allow God to, to shape you and to teach you and to grow you. And so what do I need accountability for? I've just got three little reasons. What do I need accountability for? Number one, the heart is more deceitful than you think. <laughs> I won't spend too much time on this point because I thought Kevin did a great job at that one. The heart is more deceitful than you think. The Bible says the heart is deceitful above all things. Generally, when you read that verse, you're like, it's so true, eh? Everyone else, their hearts are so deceitful. Mine's okay, mine's okay, but I do, that's a very true verse, you know? But actually, my heart is, is more deceitful than I think. And I'm going to need people around me to help me. The Bible speaks about this wrestle that we have between the flesh and the spirit. And you and I both know that, that some days that, wrestle is the spirit's winning other days not so much um, and we're going to need people around us to call us out when actually we're following the flesh and we're spiritualizing it um, Andrew has got this great um, example of this he, he's a surfer so am I and um, he's, he often says you know like if I ever say to the church I'm feeling like the Lord is calling me to plant a church in Jeffrey's Bay Somebody needs to sit me down and just say, Andrew, 
you're deceived. <laughs> and that, he said that a couple of years ago, but actually recently he brought it up again because there's this little migration that's happening within Josh Jen of Josh Jenners who, are called, who feel called in the Lord to be a part of the kingdom growing in Jeffrey's Bay. And it just so happens that they all surf. You know, what, what an amazing coincidence. Isn't that, isn't that so uh, uh, fortunate? And so he's like, at the last leaders meeting, he's like, guys, we've got a new rule in Josh Jen. If you're going to go and build a kingdom in, in Je- Jeffrey's Bay, that's fine. We will support you. We will pray for you. We will bless you. But don't surf when you're there. <laughs> Let's just sift. Let's just sift what's really in the heart. Yeah. So I'm not feeling the call anymore. Um, I've prayed about it some more, and I've, I actually I... The second thing is, so first, heart's more deceitful than you think. Second one is, life is, is trickier than you think. And, and it's interesting that God has designed life that every phase of life, you grow and you learn and you wrestle and you start to feel like, okay, I feel like I'm honoring the Lord in this area of my life now. And then, and then you change, and then life changes. So as a single person, you know, like, it's hard being single. I want to honor God with my singleness. Lord, I'll keep my eyes on you, and I stay focused, and I stay pure. And then, and then you're just starting to feel like, hey, I'm starting to get victory in this area, and I'm starting to feel like I'm walking in victory. And then you get married, and then it's like, wow. How do I honor God in marriage? This is like, this is a whole, and you feel like a rookie all over again. And, you, and then you give it a few years, and you feel like, okay, cool. I finally feel like I'm honoring God with my marriage. And then you have a child. You're like, God, I'm such a sinner. I'm such a sinner. <laughs> I thought I was holy, Lord. What, what? Sleep deprivation, it's like nothing prepares you for that, you know. And, and, and God does it deliberately, I feel like. And in every phase of our lives, we're going to need people around us who have gone before us that we can learn from and actually say, look, in my singleness, I want to honor Christ, man. Well, what have you learned? Like, give, me some, give me some wisdom. Like, how do you think I'm doing? And then the same with your kids. And when you have kids, there's such a strong pressure to act like you are the expert at raising kids. But it's your first one. It's really hard to fake it, but we all do. <laughs> we do. You just, you just feel like you've got to look like you've got it all together. But you, secretly, you're like, I don't know what is going on here. Like, why, the, why does she keep doing that? I've told her so many times. She keeps doing it. But there's this pressure in every stage of life that we feel like, you know, I've got, to, I've got to look like I've got it all together because, you know, because people need to know, you know, I know what, but actually you don't know. And that's, and that's totally okay, and it's totally normal. And so life is trickier than you think, and we're going to need people around us to help us. And then the third one, I'm not as holy as I thought. Not as holy as I thought. We sometimes refer to these like blind spots, and blind spot being, you know, when you're driving or if you, if you do drive, there's always this one area around your car that you actually can't see. Even you look in your mirrors, you look in this mirror, and you think you've got, you think you've checked everywhere, but actually there's this one spot that you haven't checked because you, you just literally can't see it, and that's why you have to look at this weird angle, and then you can check your blind spot. But as Christians, we've all got blind spots. There's areas in our lives where we're actually not honoring Christ, and you won't see it. And, and we'll actually need people around us who are good friends, who are honest friends, that will be able to help us. And so, 
for me personally, and I would encourage you to do the same, I don't just hope for accountability like, like a vain hope. Like I hope that somebody will speak if they see something in my life. I'm just, you know, I really hope. I don't hope. I, I actually ask. I actually ask people who know me well, and I say, please would you love me enough that if you see an area in my life where it's obviously not pleasing to God, please love me enough to just take me. So I do it gently. But love me enough to just just say, you know, hey, look, I, have you considered that, I, you know, this area, the way, when you said this, when you did that, it, it's not, I don't think it's pleasing to God. And, and, and I value that. And, and that's exactly what the scripture says, that a wise man will value you and love you for, for speaking truth into his life. I know it's countercultural. Um, cult, you know, the culture tells us, you do you. You know, I'll do me, you do you. Let's not the two mix with each other. You just keep doing you, I'll keep doing me. And, and, uh, but actually, that's not, that's not the kingdom. And so I actually ask people to speak into my life, and I, and I try not to hate them when they speak the truth. Initially, it, it, it is tempting. Like, why would you say that? Why would you? I thought you liked me. I thought we were friends. You know, there is that instinctive response. You will almost inevitably feel it, but then push past that and like, God, it's not about them, it's about you. I want to honor you with my life. I want to grow into your image. Accountability is not about getting permission to do things. It's about getting people's perspective so that you can hear a perspective that you might not have seen. Does that make sense? Accountability is not about asking for permission to do this or do that or buy a house or go here or do this or date this girl. It's not about asking for permission for things. It's about, it's about a posture of my heart of humility that I want people to speak before I make the decision so that I have the potential to make a good decision. Um, and so when you're making big decisions in your life, I would really encourage you, get perspective before. And I've said it twice now. Did you notice that? I said it twice. Before. Did you notice I've said it twice? Before you make the big decision. Whatever you do, don't, don't, put, don't give your, your, your community leader high blood pressure and tell them after you made the big decision. Just, I just wanted to let you know, you know, for the sake of accountability, I, I've, I made a big decision last week. It's all bought and paid for. And I just wanted to submit that to you. It's like, well, cool. Great. I think it's a terrible idea, but seeing as you've already bought and paid for it, I mean, I'll, uh, I guess I'll pray with you. <laughs> and so I say, before, if you want helpful perspective, ask for it before you make the big decision. If you, if you made a massive decision, I'd say don't even give your community hybrid blood pressure and tell them afterwards. Just, just let them sleep in peace, you know? They need, to, they, they need, they need sleep too, you know? Communities and community leaders and elders, they, they also need sleep. Just don't tell them, you know. If you've already made the decision, just, just live your life, you know. <laughs> so just practically, I'll just give a few handles and then close. Like, how? How do you do this? I, I would say, like, as a general rule, a general rule, accountability is I seek advice from a few people few people who know me, who I trust in the Lord, who are mature in the Lord, who are leaders in the faith, I actually seek and actively submit stuff to them. As the Bible says, submit to your leaders and all that. But I listen to advice. I'll listen to advice from anyone. I won't necessarily follow your advice, but, I wanna hear, <laughs> but I'll listen and I'll pray about it. Does that make sense? So, so accountability is not just about certain people. 
It's like I, I submit to these people, and then someone has this gem of wisdom directly from heaven, but they just so happen to not be a leader. He's like, well, you're not my leader, so uh, who are you to me? So why, why are we even having this conversation? It's not about that. I'll listen to every person. In the, in the Old Testament, God, God spoke through a donkey, and it saved the prophet's life. He was going to get killed by an angel, and a donkey saved his life. It's like, hey, I'll listen to anyone, right? I mean, I, I've not thought of it before, but even if a donkey had to warn me about something, look, I'm not necessarily going to follow his advice, but I'll hear him out, you know, pray about it. Does that make sense? And so I, I actively seek input from leaders, but I, I don't close my heart to input from anyone. And the number of times God's spoken to me through people that I really didn't want advice from. You know, you know, and they didn't even necessarily do it with the right, they didn't do it right, and they didn't do it even necessarily with the right motivation. But I, as they said it, I knew, I hate you for it, but I, I, there's a resonance in my spirit that there's a strong possibility what you're saying might be true. And then in that moment, you have to be humble enough to say, okay, I did, God, I don't know why you chose to spoke through that person. Of all the people in my community, that person, why did you have to use them? But at that moment, you have the humility to acknowledge, but actually maybe... Maybe it is God. And so to not question their motives and say, you know, but they did it for this motive. Motives aside, it's not about their motives. It's about I want to honor Christ with my life. And if they're speaking truth, I want to hear them. Does that make sense? So elders and deacons and community leaders, I think, are generally the, the people that I would seek advice from, from making big decisions, the people that know me well. I'd go to them and actively seek their input. Um, but friends can be great as well. And those are the kind of people that are, if they speak and they know me well and they love the Lord and they've got a con concern, I'll, I'll hear them out. They may not be a leader, but I'll listen to what they have to say. Because uh, funny, friends, you know what like friends are like. You know, they, they, know, they often can discern the motives of our heart. You know, that, that J-Bay thing of I'm going to build God's kingdom and they surf with you, right? And they're like, is it? To build God's kingdom, eh? Okay. You sure about that? Aren't friends like that? I mean, they often know our hearts. They're like, hey, you know what? Like, I, I know you're making this sound really spiritual right now, but I don't think that's the Lord at all. I think that's just your flesh. And I want to be able to hear them. It's like, I don't want to say, well, you're not my leader. You know, you submit to my leaders, not to my friends. You know, actually, it says submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. I'm going to end with this verse in Galatians 2. This is Paul, the one who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. That guy? The Apostle Paul, Galatians 2. After 14 years of preaching the gospel, changing the world for Jesus, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas, taking Titus along with me. I went up because of a revelation and set before them though privately before those who seemed influential, the gospel that I proclaim among the Gentiles, in order to make sure I was not running or had not run in vain. That's accountability. He'd been preaching the gospel for 14 years. He'd written a large portion of the New Testament by that point, but he submitted the message he was preaching to the leaders in Jerusalem because he wanted to make sure that he wasn't running or had not run in vain. And the reality is we're all going to stand before Christ one day and everything that we've built will be tested, the Bible says. And this, the rock 
I mean, the, the precious stones will endure. When, we, when we've built with hay and, and perishable things, the things of the flesh, it'll just burn up. And all things will be revealed for what we've built and the motivations of our heart and whether, it'll, whether it was built on Christ or not. And the stuff that was not built on Christ will burn and the stuff that was built on Christ will last. And we all know that. And it's a sobering thought. But you know what? I'd rather know now. <laughs> Amen? It'll be too late then. If I'm watching my life's work going up in smoke, like, oh, it was built on flesh. Oh, shucks. Well, that, well that, that's really lame. Like my whole life, you know. I, wouldn't you rather know now? Wouldn't you rather a friend say to you right now, listen, I think that's actually flesh. And, and it'll be painful, but at least I can correct can, and build on the foundation of Christ. And for all eternity, the things that I've done for Christ would actually be founded on Christ, in the Spirit, done to last. Amen? So let's close with some prayer. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your church. Thank you that you have not just called us and saved us and put your Spirit in us to walk alone, but you've put us in family, Lord. And what an honor and a privilege. It's sometimes painful, but it is a privilege to be in your body where iron sharpens iron. And Father God, I, we want to, Lord, as your people, we want to acknowledge that you've captivated us, Lord. Your glory and your beauty and your holiness has wrecked us. And we are wrecked for you in a good way. Lord Jesus, we want to be shaped and molded into the beautiful, glorious image of Christ a bride without spot or blemish or wrinkle. But we know, Lord, we've, we're far from it. We know that each one of us sitting here is a work in progress, Lord. And we want to just acknowledge this evening that we need you and we need your church. You've put us in this church for a reason. You've put the people in our lives for a reason. And Lord, we want to soften our hearts before you tonight. And Lord, even though it goes against our natural prideful tendencies, we want to acknowledge, we want to be that wise man of Proverbs, Lord, that loves correction. That though it's painful, we see it as good and beautiful and desirable. Lord, would you help us, like John the Baptist, to say, Lord, more of you and less of me. More of you and less of me.